Hello. Hello and welcome to Social Media Social Club, the podcast where we talk all things social media culture. You have joined us for the first part of a very exciting double bill episode, an extravaganza, if you will. And we today are joined by our first ever external guest. And we are so excited to have Less Waste Laura with us today. Um, Laura is a sustainability influencer, so we're really excited to talk to her about all things sustainability. Absolutely. In the first episode, what are we going to cover? We're going to talk about her journey into becoming a sustainability influencer, talk about how some of the brands she's worked with, some sort of big case studies of kind of interesting uh, green marketing faux pas that kind of thing um, so it was a really really informative episode I really enjoyed yeah it was great episodes. yeah it um, was great to speak to Laura about that and then if you join us back for part two we will be discussing her anti-vapes campaign uh, which took TikTok and social media by storm so that's a really interesting one to come back and listen to in part two yeah absolutely and the bill for that is just passed uh, in the UK government so really exciting news for Laura uh, yes. and yeah it was just a really really enjoyable uh, podcast so let's get into the first one without yes. further ado here we go, a few Woo! weeks ago. <laughs> uh, I'm here as always with Hannah. That's me. Hello, uh, <laughs> my name is Josh, and today our first guest, who's not a hydrogen staff member, Woo! we've got Laura here. Yay! Oh! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so Laura, aka Less Waste Laura, Full name, yeah, full, title. Yeah, full title. Yeah, thank you. Full Sunday um, name. It's here to talk to us a few different things under the umbrella of sustainability. So, Laura, would you like to introduce yourself first and give us a bit of your sort of background, who you are, what you're all about? Sure. Ooh, okay, so, Laura, good starting point. Yes. Uh, I guess I spend my time doing two things. So, my day job, which I should spend more time actually doing, mm. is I'm a PhD researcher. So, I'm a climate scientist looking at how we become more resilient to climate change and how we do it with communities, so community engagement. And I am in my second year of doing that. So still don't really know anything about it, but <laughs> try my best. So that's like my day job. But I'm also a sort of environmental pundit. So I do loads of campaigning around environmental issues and I've done that for years, ever since like falling in love with geography at school and then realising that was my passion. So I do loads of campaigning on issues like plastic waste, climate change, disposable vapes that's the big one uh, and that kind of takes loads of forms so I do loads of it online mm. Legs Waste Laura that's yeah. where I sort of exist uh, but then do loads of it in stuff like the media so kind of get rolled out to comment on environmental stories and yeah work with loads of different organisations to try and help everybody be more sustainable so that's kind of like in a nutshell nice. what I do <laughs> and when did the because obviously it's something you've been passionate for a long yeah. time but when did the, the persona of Legs Waste Laura kind of begin <laughs> I know, when did like she come out the show? Yeah. <laughs> so, when did you start presenting as less with Exactly. Know, to be honest, like, it actually kind of happened by accident. So 2018, we just had Blue Planet 2, so Dave Dattenborough, documentary, everybody was thinking about plastic and waste. I was at university at the time doing geography and environmental science, so it was kind of all my world was about environmental stuff. But in 2018, on January 1st, I was like trying to think of a New Year's resolution. And because all this had been floating around, I thought maybe that's what I should try this year, try and like be more sustainable, whatever that looks like. So I decided that 2018, I was gonna try and tackle my waste, my carbon footprint, like see what, where it goes. And really, really quickly actually into that January, loads of people were asking like, oh, what was the products that you started using? Like, were you talking about a bar of shampoo? What is that? Or I've got a question about this. Can it be recycled? Or like all these questions yeah. were coming up. And I found myself constantly like texting people about it. 
And I suddenly thought, I should probably start writing all this down because I'm doing all of this and trying it and testing it out. I've got all this knowledge. And I was at uni, so I had all the kind of scientific stuff to back it up. So in that January, I thought, okay, I'll start with Instagram because I'm not great with words. So I could do like, put up a photo of something, explain a bit. And I thought, I'll keep it separate so that none of my actual friends need to follow (laughs) it if they don't want to. I don't want to become that eco nut that they all have to follow. So I literally just started an Instagram page and I called it Less Waste Laura because at the time there was people talking about like zero waste and it all felt a bit extreme. Whereas Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just trying like my best. And I started documenting it. So like, if you were to scroll right back to the beginning, it literally was like, this is a shampoo bar. This is why it's better. This is how I use it. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And over the years, it's obviously gone from like a directory of products I was trying out to like a space for more kind of campaigning and stuff. So that's been what, like five years now that I've yeah, that's had nice. it. And it's kind of grown from that and, and kind of, yeah, got mm-hmm. this whole big following, which is fab. Yeah, I think... I'll- there's something you said there about less waste as opposed to zero waste, mm, yeah. which we'll definitely come back to because I think that's a really, really interesting point. But before we go into into that, just want to, you were at COP28 yes, uh, as well, um, yeah. just a few days ago? Yeah, just a well, few days this, ago. This, this, this when will be that's in 2024. <laughs> so, so it'll be last a, month. A little <laughs> while ago, but when, as, a, as a filming, yeah. So yeah. how was that experience? Because obviously, you know, like the, you're saying, you, you're coming, this is, was this your first time visiting COP? Well, so this is my third time going to COP. So for people who don't know, so COP is, it stands for Conference of the Parties, Mm -hmm. parties being countries. So it's a United Nations summit. It happens every single year where nearly 200 countries come together to talk about climate change. And this one is COP28. So it's the 28th time it's happened and it goes all around the world. So like if people are based in the UK, they've probably heard of COP26 in Glasgow in 2021. Mm -hmm. It was then in Egypt and then this time it was in the UAE and Dubai. So I've been to the last three um, and it's a bit mind-boggling because partly you've got nearly 100,000 people mm-hmm. that all come to one place for two weeks, like it's a really long time to discuss climate change. And when we talk about climate change, it's not just climate change, it's everything from energy, renewable energy, nuclear energy, to oceans, fishing, to nature, trees, forestation, to food, like it's so broad. So it, ambitious. It's like. so ambitious. And it covers everything. So it's quite a mind-boggling experience. And you're looking around going, this is the whole world represented. Like, there's literally people from everywhere. But it's kind of difficult because it feels like it's so sometimes detached from, like, reality or real life. So, like, a lot of the work that I do here in Scotland is, like, with people, with communities. And you're physically going out and, like, doing litter picks or planting trees or, like, talking to school kids or whatever it might be. It's very, like, tangible. Whereas these things, it's talking about global targets like one of the things that came out of this one was about tripling renewable energy capacity globally by 2030 and you're like oh my word like that's Mm -hmm. a huge thing but ultimately it you know takes little people on the ground to do it so yeah that's where I've been that's a big part of my work so I kind of go out and I do a lot of the media so I do like regular stints back home on things like BBC Scotland, BBC Five Live, Times Radio like I try and sort of bring back what's happening and communicate it to people so that they understand what it is and and what's going on but also so that when we come back we can say here's what Scotland and the UK said so let's like hold them to account for these things the rest of the year yeah in terms of like holding to account because you're you know you're talking about the the kind of world stage here and there's a lot of different people saying a lot of different things um it's a huge I, I don't know, like, it, it's a huge task to kind of condense those ideas and bring them back 
to people. Mm. It's all because it's all about the language. I, I know. I, feel. I mean, what the whole outcome of COPS is you get this text agreement that everybody agrees to, so all the countries agree to it. And there's so much back and forth. Because you've got countries who are like low-lying island states literally disappearing underwater. And then you've got massive oil states that are like, well, we're sitting on billions of pounds, trillions of pounds worth of revenue, so we don't want to stop using fossil fuels. And then you've got everyone in between. So I think it's really difficult to kind of get a text that everybody's happy with. Nobody's happy with it in the end, but everyone's happy with it because Mm -hmm. nobody's won, nobody's lost, but everyone kind of loses. So it's quite difficult. One of the main things, though, that I think is a barrier is climate change is used as a political football. Mm-hmm. And actually, it doesn't really matter what your opinion is on climate change. It's happening. Mm-hmm. So whether you think it is or not, like it is, like it is happening and it's going to keep affecting it. So I think the frustration is we have globally, like world leaders and governments who are brought in who have different views on how to tackle it. Mm-hmm. But in the background, it keeps rumbling on and it keeps getting worse. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really like difficult thing because you like we had um, a new president of Brazil come in called Lulu and he was like super progressive and he's doing loads of stuff. But for decades, Brazil's been on the back foot for doing stuff and you know happily deforesting you know some of the most vital areas. But then in the same way, like here in the UK, we hosted this summit two years ago, but now we've got some of the worst track record for like rolling back on policies. So it can be quite frustrating that it's a political football because actually it should be something that everyone just agrees on. Like yeah. science is clear it's happening. But I think the thing I always don't understand is see when we talk about climate solutions, yeah. there's so much benefit that can be brought from it. Like the classic example I always think of is do you know what a twenty minute neighbourhood is? Or have you heard that concept? Is it no. in terms of like a walkable community? Yeah. So it's basically that. So that it's this idea that for so long we've been building these like massive housing estates in the UK and you've got you know sometimes like 10,000 houses and they'll be like a shop or like a school and like nothing else mm-hmm. and so we've got these communities that completely rely on cars and it's like concrete jungles there's like no nature no green space that that's something that I've noticed quite a lot of people talking about recently is walkable communities and I think it's a really really important thing yeah. in terms of it being like a small incremental change in terms of the marketing of that, I think is really interesting and it kind of comes back to COP a little bit and it comes back to what you are saying about being less waste as yeah. opposed to being zero waste. There are so many, and I think it's what makes climate conversations really inaccessible for people a lot of the time, is that the semantic details yeah. are what ultimately changes huge legislation, but it also changes just the way we, we talk about them amongst ourselves. So when we talk about like marketing a 20-minute neighbourhood, yeah. it sounds... Because that's a really appealing way to describe it, I think. But when you talk about it in the way that some political parties talk about it, like they're trying to take away our freedom from cars, especially in America, where it's so car-centric, how much do you think there's a problem? How how do you think we can fix this problem in communicating these ideas to people? Yeah, and And, and through social media and stuff, you know? This is it, right? This is the key thing, because... I think we need more people who are confident communicators who can translate the science and translate the policy to how regular people understand it. Because that's the best way of being able to tell a story rather than having scaremongering about, you know, the government's trying to take your car away from you and trying to ban you from city centres. Actually, it's saying, look at this amazing opportunity we have to clean the air for everybody who uses it. But, I mean, I certainly think in my research kind of life as well, I'm really trying to push academics to be like don't just publish a paper like communicate what is going on here like tell the story mm-hmm. and I think that's when you bring most people along and it's about the positives you know I think 
even like another good example I've probably got loads of these so tell me to shut up when I'm rambling (laughs) (laughs) like one of the great ones is when we talk about infrastructure in the UK so we talk about needing to save energy needing to save carbon emissions we need to be getting like insulation in houses and we need to get double glazing right Mm -hmm. that's not exactly sexy and also talking about carbon emissions is a bit like whoa like what really is that yeah and people are like all these environmental nutters all they care about is like carbon emissions that are imaginary so what actually it's important to do is say in the uk there are people living with no dignity because they've got mold coming through their walls they've got leaking roofs they've got like double they've got single glazing that is like keeping them cold and they are pouring money down the drain to their energy providers I want people to live with dignity in a warm house that is watertight, that doesn't have mould coming through so that they can have their friends over, save some money. And, like, that's what you talk about. Mm -hmm. It also just so happens to save lots of energy, which is great. Yeah. And I think it's about how we communicate this stuff. 100%, yeah. yeah. And I think it... I'm sort of fed up of talking about a polar bear on a little iceberg. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the flourishing world that we can get and all the benefits, and it's also really good for the environment. Yeah. Do you feel like that's something that you're part of on like social media then actually communicating these ideas in that way that really resonates with people? Do you feel that like there is a kind of community of like influencers and creators that are really trying to do that and to speak that type of language and tell that story? Yeah, I, d- I do. I mean, I think we're getting there. You know, I think there are some pretty extreme environmental influencers, to kind of use yeah. that term who do put, put a lot of people off because they kind of talk about like sacrifice like you're going to have to give up all your favourite food you're going to have to buy absolutely nothing new you can never go on holiday again and it's quite like scary mm-hmm. and I think it's not about it's not about watering down the message but it's about saying actually how can we talk to people that they're going to listen and, and find that mutual ground Yeah. and I think it's about like I remember I was at this conference a couple of years ago and I was sat next to this fashion influencer and I was like literally couldn't be from different worlds right like yeah. she's promoting fast fashion I'm promoting slow fashion and like we were quite you know quite up against it mm-hmm. but actually through conversation like we found common grounds like things that we were interested in and like neither of us were criticizing each other it was actually just a really lovely conference and didn't really think too much of it she then got back in touch because we followed each other and like apparently yeah. I rolled my eyes every time I saw her post but I was like she's lovely and I'm gonna like <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, keep yeah. looking at it but I was always like I wonder what she thinks when she sees what I'm posting and like 18 months on from that she actually got in touch because I think I never engaged with her on social media like I wasn't exactly liking any of her stuff so she kind of disappeared like I sort of didn't really mm-hmm. see her yeah. the algorithm sort of took her away um, but she got back in touch about 18 months later and was like um, I don't know if you've seen but I've been like really, really working on my brand and like all this kind of stuff. And I'd like love to catch up with you because I'd love some advice. And I was like, why on earth is she emailing me? Like, this is so weird. Yeah. And then I realized over the last 18 months, she'd gone on this huge journey, realizing the true cost of fashion and realizing like how much of an issue it was. And she'd completely rebranded herself, but in a really genuine way. And now all she talks about is sustainable, secondhand wow. fashion, so fashion. So she was actually like, help me, like, I want to learn and like, I've done all this stuff. And now I'm like, she's one of the leading UK secondhand fashion influencers. That's yeah. amazing. Like, and that's what you need to do though with people. Yeah. It's like, you need to find it and be like, you can still love fashion or food or traveling or whatever, but there is a way of doing it in a more I, sustainable I, th- way. I, th- yeah. I think that's it. It's like, I mean, it's what we talk about in any client. No matter what it is, it's very applicable there because it, you're just doing the thing that you do and yeah. making it seem fun and yeah. accessible. And I think that's what's kind of great about social media in general is that you can kind of democratise yeah. these really kind of high-level ideas and stuff. But, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's great that she's been able to still create the content that she yeah. loves and still be in that space that she's passionate about and enjoys, but do it in a way that feels much more like because she probably feels so much better about herself. Like there yeah. must have been part niggling in the back of her head constantly, yeah. like I feel like I'm contributing to something that I don't agree with here. But she's then been able to actually turn that into something positive and I think that kind of comes into what you were saying like wanting to be called less waste instead of zero waste it's like you don't need to change your whole life yeah you just need to try and do something people respond to that as well I think that that feels very like human and authentic people are instantly turned off when it's like you feel like you're kind of preaching at them and telling them that you have to change and you have to do this but it's more just like just do that little change today and see if that makes any impact you're not an awful person because you bought that new dress, yeah. that one time. Like it, I think it's about the language and how we tell those stories. But yeah, I think that's where it's like quite interesting space for like influencers in yeah. particular because there's still there's so much opportunity for them to still do that job, but just do it in a slightly different way. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's, it, I don't know. It just it's. I, I think when you how you were saying about like it kind of sort of you know doom and gloom kind of posting for lack of a better term. In terms of, because I I do see stuff like that, and I'm not going to name specifics, because I but I know exactly no. the kind of ones yeah. you're you're talking about, and I do think. But when you speak to people like that in personal experience, like it just makes them hold on to what they've got tighter, because they're like, oh well, if it's all gonna if it's not going to count for anything anyway, yeah, I'm just going to hold on to the things that I really love, and I'm going to keep doing the things I really love until making these small <coughs> incremental changes. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that's yeah that that kind of brings like us to it. Like to me, it's similar with. It's people get in their mindset, they're like, oh, someone's going to talk about sustainability. Or like, even with you being vegan, it's like, oh, I know what people are like when they're vegan. Then when you meet someone who, you know, does live a more sustainable life or is vegan and they don't preach that on you, they maybe they're there if you want some advice or that's just the way they're living their life. The more people that you interact with that are making positive changes but not forcing it on you in that kind of negative way, the more you just become comfortable with that. And I think that's like more, that feels like a way to make positive change that's not punishing people. And it feels more like, oh, just if you want to be part of this, you can. I think a well-researched kind of friendly approach to it yeah. is the best thing to do. I also think sometimes they're afraid to get things wrong. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? I think transparency is the key, right? And there's lots of brands that have done it well and brands yeah. that have done it like completely wrong. Like there was a sort of catastrophic example of H&M where there's um, Fashion Revolution who do loads of great stuff in the world of fashion. They release this thing called the Transparency Index. So they look at the kind of top 100 global brands and they look at how transparent their supply chains are Mm -hmm. and they rank them. And it was in lockdown, so it must have been 2020 or 2021. H&M came out top for this Transparency Index. So they did this huge push out on social media and were like, we are the number one most transparent brand in the world. Hashtag sustainability, hashtag does that, right? Mm-hmm. First of all, you're not the most transparent in the world. You're the most transparent out of the ones that they looked at. That's so true. And two, transparency does not equal good. It just means you're transparent. And in their case, they were transparent about being bad, right? I'm no nice, but at least I'm yeah, honest about like, it. You can see that we are really bad. <laughs> and so, like, but they managed to twist it in a way that sort of made you feel a bit icky because you thought mm. you've taken something and tried to greenwash by yep. putting even like the hashtag sustainability like it's got nothing to do with sustainability that's just about your supply chain being transparent so like that was a sort of catastrophic example but then you also get brands that 
I think have in the past tried really, really hard and have been doing the right thing, but sort of lose their way a wee bit. So only maybe as a vegan, you quite yes. like them, but um, um, yeah. I've got mixed feelings about yeah. Ollie, yeah. But one of the things is like, as a brand, you know, they've really started like grassroots, you know, really we're trying to, you know, make alternative milk available to the masses and like, you know, I think yeah. really had a good heart in the beginning. They had a good thing going, like for they sure. They did. And I think one of the things that, and this is where the downfall came, is they talked about themselves being the best. They talked, like their marketing was like, we are your friend, like we're your pal and you're doing all this stuff. So you did feel like you knew the brand a bit more than other global brands, yeah. like Alpro, do you know, I've never seen an Alpro advert sort of thing. Yeah, uh-huh. So they kind of had this like, we're your good buddy who's trying to save yeah. the planet and da da da. And then long story short, they took some really unethical is it money. Bla- is it Blackstone Foundation, yeah, I think it was? Yeah. And this money is like the kind of, when you look, chase it back, like this investment firm has ties to all sorts of stuff that you just, is really, really bad. And they, like, just dealt with it really, really poorly because they'd all along been like, we're your really good friend and we're the wee guy and we're trying, you need to help us out. And then it just went catastrophically wrong because they took this bad money and then they handled the press with it really, really badly. Mm -hmm. And I think that shows you that it's also important for brands to be transparent. And I think, yeah, it can get a bit messy, but what I say is it's just about being honest and about like showing where you're failing, showing where you're doing really well yeah. and not yeah. being afraid. But but I think it's just about being genuine and not trying to like twist things in a certain way. I think so, yeah. I, th- I think that applies to individuals as well. Like you'll get, it's, I, I don't really trust people who are too like, I'm not including yourself in this, but maybe like, because obviously that's your job, <laughs> yeah. but more like, I'm more mean and in, in, like individuals who are maybe like, you're wrong for doing this and I'm this and I'm I'm yeah. doing, I'm better than you for like, yeah. you know, this, that comes across as really disingenuous yeah. and then they burn out, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's Oatly kind of remind me of that person yeah. a little bit where it's like, they did, made a big show of it and then when they actually got caught, you know, kind of like doing something that wasn't great, yeah. it made it all the worse. Yeah, when, yeah. It, when in actual fact, if they had just been honest about what they were doing, yeah. had just kind of... Been transparent. Been transparent, yeah. yeah. Like, and just kind of admitted to, or not even admitted, but not drawn so much attention to their successes, yeah. that when their failures do come around, which generally they always do yeah. at some point, <laughs> like you, you've not got such a, a steep downfall, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't true. know. I just feel like that's... It's, I mean, it's good advice for life as individuals, yeah. but also like for brands like across Absolutely. the world, like no matter what you're yeah. doing. And I think I would just say though that like, I think it's important though for brands to also invite people in. I'm not plugging myself; you should always invite me in. But like, <laughs> please, 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 please yeah, yourself. I'm available for hire. <laughs> I'll come and give you that. T- like, actually, if you bring in people who are yeah. external to your brand, who are like genuinely authentic voices in this space, if you're talking about sustainability or anything really. I think that can help you with some of your messaging or even, you know, I've done like various different projects. So I did like a project with Volkswagen Mm -hmm. who have a huge scandal sustainability wise about all that kind of diesel gate stuff that went on. But I got asked to come and do a project with them around electric cars. They have this like electric ID buzz thing. And like one of the things I was really concerned about is I was like, can I ask, because I had did this interview with the chief exec and I was like, can I do, can I ask anything? Like, what's the constraints? They said, yeah, of course, like, you're the expert and we want you to come in, like, nothing's off the table. And it's the same with other brands. I've done stuff like Scottish Power and their wind farm here and, like, other brands. And I think that's important because it's an ex, like, like, external voice who's not being paid. Like, I'm not an employee, so I'm not sort of, like, doing the party line. I'm there to just talk about it in the You're mind. there to be you, yeah. And I think that can be really important for brands who are wanting to step into the world of sustainability or talk about it is say 
bring in someone else who can like read the room for you but also tell you like this is good this is bad here's how I would say this and here's what you could work on because mm-hmm. I think that helps it because you can definitely tell when a brand's just doing it off their own back and they don't really have any clue and then yeah. it all falls apart because it gets picked apart by people like me Green Claims Code that's obviously something that I think people who are kind of around sustainability are aware of yeah how much do you have it? nothing nothing so I'm obviously not around <laughs> <laughs> but like the green, the green Claims Code is basically like it's to do with like advertising standards and language you can use language you can't use okay um, and I think that's where certain people like H&M like you mentioned yeah. have, been, have been caught and uh, how effective do you think the current legislation is because I feel like before we got into disposable vapes and on mass the yeah. language around disposable and things like that is still kind of mm. difficult and there's yeah. obviously you mentioned hashtag sustainability yeah. as well how do you think that's do you think that's enough at the moment do you think there needs yeah. to be more policing consultancy consultancy to be more of a thing to make sure these things are managed properly yeah so i mean to really make it quite basic to yeah education point but (laughs) so if I was to make like a face cream so I make a face cream and I'm selling it I can use the words eco-friendly green sustainable natural and there's absolutely no threshold that I need to meet that's wild even though I'm making it and you have no idea like how I'm making it or what's in it well there's ingredients on it probably but you're going to be sitting there going oh amazing natural face cream fab right what does that actually mean? So that language is just available it's to use. Available regardless. to use. And so what we've had now is we've had the Advertising Standards Agency realise that we've had things like airlines talking about flights being sustainable and they've stepped in and gone, right, okay, we need to set yeah. boundaries. And so I think what's been happening is slowly there's been examples and regulations put in. So lots of airlines have got pulled up for messaging around sustainability and eco-friendly stuff because it is just nonsense when it comes to that. There's also stuff like artificial grass, like plastic grass companies now can't say it's eco-friendly, like it's good for the environment because it just isn't. Yes. Um, And I think there's other ones now kind of coming up around, yeah, how do we brand things and what words can we use? The frustrating thing about it, because I think it is on, on the move, the frustrating thing is it's all retrospective. Mm-hmm. So adverts go out en masse, people see them, are influenced by them, and then the complaints come in. So there's no approval process, things no. need to go through, right, yeah. And so I know we're going to get onto the disposable vape stuff, but I actually put in a complaint against a vaping company who did a green awareness. It was Elf Bar, right? It was, mm-hmm. it, it's all out there now, the, the ruling's been made. So Elf Bar decided to do a green awareness campaign talking about the recyclability of their products, talking about how sustainable they were. And it was just BS, right? So I put in a complaint along with other people listing, you know, why these were such an issue and why this ad was wrong. And it's now been ruled that they cannot do advertising like that again. You know, they had to take them down, they got in trouble, but the ads were already out there. And it took months for them to come to that decision. So it is a slow process, but it does mean that now vaping companies, as an example, or airlines or plastic grass manufacturers, like they now realise that there's a line that they can't cross. Mm-hmm. But it's frustrating that we have to like case by case get there yeah. and put in the complaints. And so it's almost like an extra thing in my like workload is okay, like constantly putting in these complaints because eventually we'll get a ruling. But it, it's it's a good thing in a way. But I just think there isn't enough boundaries set around what language we use and, and and it tricks people and people fall into these traps well the thing is it's not it's <coughs> as well like there's not enough consequence 
yeah. for doing this because one side they would go, oh, whoops, oh, sorry, we didn't know. Yeah. Like, and then that'll just keep happening and, and you know, you'll keep, it's like whack-a-mole kind of thing. Oh, like, absolutely. Do, do you know what I mean? But, but if they've already had it out for like a few months, like the damage is aye. done, essentially. Exactly. It always reminds me of this Mitchell Webb sketch, which is talking about uh, Garnier Nutrice. And it's like, that was the best thing you ever come up with, saying a word that sounds like nutrition, but doesn't yeah. guarantee yeah. it. <laughs> like, that's true. Which is so like, everything that we see just there. That's so true. It doesn't mean anything, but it just sounds like... Sounds great. <laughs> I know. And to be honest as well, in the world of like sustainability, so fossil fuels yeah. are natural. Yes. Right? Like dinosaurs yes. millions of years ago died, fell to the bottom of the ocean, and over time have made fossil fuels. So you can claim that's natural. Yeah. Because it is. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's good for you. It doesn't mean you want to put it on Derived your Derived from waste products. Exactly, right? Are you dinosaurs? Yeah. <laughs> and I think this is where like these words just, you know, get completely like mixed up. And I think even in the world of things like we're seeing a lot of compostable items. Mm-hmm. And like, what does that actually mean? It's yeah. only going to get composted if it gets put into an industrial composter. If you put it in your garden or you put it in the landfill, it's still going to exist in yeah. 400 years. So yeah. there's all these things that are like quite clever tactics in marketing that are just greenwashing and we need to fight against that. But of course the effect on that then is for see if you're just like brand new to social media yeah. and you're you're working as a marketer or anything like that and you know you're like exec level or something and you're just you've got you you're tasked with writing a sustainability post. You might not know that then yeah. as well. You might even though you're the one kinda of doing that, you might be unwittingly doing that even though you're not necessarily because you've all this stuff from brands at a higher level has kind of seeped into how you think about these things and that's yeah. ultimately going to be yeah. problematic because I, I know for, for a fact when we're kind of making content and stuff it's not ever ever something that we really have to I mean we check it in our own way but there's not like any kind of obviously legislation around it there's no kind of like real safeguards you can say anything really like yeah. and, and obviously like you're saying it'll, you might face repercussions down the line but you yeah. also might not especially if you're a smaller brand because yeah. it's great for you know kind of higher level stuff like H&M but there's kind of you know like if you're just a you know a brand that's got like 10k 20k followers you can probably get away with quite a lot yeah but i do i mean i think the one skill that i think is just missing in the world in general but i think with a lot of brand stuff it's just critical thinking yeah like just take a minute and like like a classic example is all these brands now doing sustainable vegan leather yes it's plastic it's plastic, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. well, it's made of spades. Yeah. But they're talking about this vegan leather as if it's some, it's polyester or it's like yeah. literally just plastic. Yeah. And it's like, take a second and ask yourself, what is this made of? What does that actually mean? And maybe think about how you market it. And I think that, you know, is, is the real frustration is like people just aren't thinking. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it comes with everything though. Like companies are so obsessed with like, what's the most sustainable, disposable cutlery and plates and cups that we can get? And I'm like, mm-hmm. reusables is the most sustainable. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, still, yeah. Cut, still chuffing it away. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Or people are talking about, what's the most sustainable electric car? The bus. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. why, you know, and I think sometimes that's... And also, I guess the final other point is, not everything is sustainable, so don't try and make it. So if you're an airline, guess what? You're just not sustainable, yeah. so don't try and pretend you are. I've got more respect for companies that just don't attempt to greenwash than like try to somehow fit into this box. And I think it's just about recognising that some stuff inherently is not sustainable. And that's okay, like as long as you're being honest about it. And like the Oatly thing was interesting because a lot of people were saying, well, hold on a minute, Alpro is this huge global kind of 
brand that does alternative milks mm-hmm. and they're owned by this massive dairy firm. Yeah. So, yeah, but they're not out there saying that they're the best. Well, they are. Yeah. So it's, it's about, yeah. like, it's not about saying that they are better and they're not. It's about saying at least they're not trying to fool us into thinking that they're this perfect brand. Like, we want to say something, and I'm like, if you've not got anything to say, don't, don't say anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, it, it's the same thing, because we have the same thing every year when Pride comes around. It's like, do you have something to say? Yeah. Or are you just putting a Pride flag on yeah. your logo? Like, just don't do it then. Yeah. Like, only say something if there is something you need to say, if you're making a change, if you're doing something. Yeah. Like, there's no point in just being like, it's like a tick box exercise, yeah. like, right, so we need to cover something about sustainability, we need to say something about this, like, and it just shouldn't be that way, but then it's it's funny then that it does kind of fall to us, like, the marketing team to be like, maybe you shouldn't do that, and it's like, yeah. it's got all the way down through every part of a, like, a big company yeah. to the point where they're talking to their social media agency and saying, good to go, and yeah. we're like, is it? Who is, who is effectively just some guy. Yeah. Basically just some guy who is, is I'm some guy, yeah, yeah, in this situation. Like, and like, you, you might have someone who knows a bit more, you might not. Yeah. It's just that's your that's thing that it comes to, but it's like, when you were saying earlier, it could be someone who's just straight in the door and they'll be like, yeah, of course, I'll put that out, of course. Yeah. But it, it might be that it's someone who's come up against this stuff before and been, has the confidence to kind of push back and say, if you've not got anything to just to say, if you're just doing a post that is, at us, we care about yeah. sustainability. So if you do too, <laughs> like join us, <laughs> yes, follow yeah. us for more. So let's let's kind of let's read up this section with five things on the screen, five words that we've kind of so if I said transparency, yeah. Be realistic. Yep. Treat people with dignity. Yep. Mm. What else have I mentioned? These are law words. I think we have five things. Three things. Five points. Four points. Okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I think was, I'm trying to kind of like to round yeah. off. These are the most important things that you need to think about. And do you know what? It's okay to ask for help. Yeah. As well, like to yeah. ask someone like yourself. Like, so I think that's so true about everything. Yeah. Ever. So, <laughs> transparency. Yeah. Be realistic. Be honest. Dignity. 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 Oh, yeah. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Oh, that was really good, Joss. Yay, it's High five. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Your five key takeaways. Josh's five things that he learned from Laura today. <laughs> thanks for joining us. That was part one of two with Less Waste Laura. Uh, once again, thanks to Laura for joining us. Uh, if you want to follow us on social, we're at socialmedia.socialclub. Whereabouts, Hannah? On Instagram and TikTok. And you can also find us over on YouTube if you're not already there, which you may. Already there. Uh, if you are there, though, Subscribe, like, comment, and then on Friday, see when that rolls around on Spotify, Apple Music, any streaming platforms, give us five stars, give us a review. Five. Fives. No <laughs> less. Not interested otherwise. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks very much for joining us for part one. We'll see you again next week for part two.